Hey, real quick, would you like to join me for a fun and super practical challenge to increase your online visibility? The Visibility Kickstarter Challenge is hosted by my friend Alina Vincent, who, if you don't know, she is the queen of online challenges. <clears throat> and that means that this is going to be one of the most actionable, value-packed, and fast-to-implement challenges that you have ever been a part of. I recently used her challenge method in my last launch, and it was the most effective challenge we have ever run, and it was easier than any, ever, any challenge we've ever run uh, as well. It is completely free, so if you want to join me, I'll be there. Head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 084 to sign up. And again, that's jenlaner, L-E-H-N-E-R.com forward slash 084. Hey guys, it's Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. Our guest today is a Miami-based life coach and author. She's been featured on the Today Show, Refinery29, Forbes, Oprah.com, and many other prestigious and fabulous places. She's got a brand spanking new book called Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval, and Live an Incredible Life, which I just finished reading today and cannot wait to talk about. Welcome, Susie Moore. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation for ages, so thank you for having me back on your show. Thanks for coming. And yes, you are the first person who has ever been on this podcast twice, which I think well, basically means we need to start a show together. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Now, because I have had the privilege of spending time with you in real life and also in your online community, after reading this book, what I thought immediately was like, this is one of those situations where without a doubt, I know for a fact that you walk the talk. Like, Everything you talk in the book, you lead by, you definitely lead in, in the way that you exemplify in the way that you live your life. Wow. Thank you for saying so. I've had some, uh, some feedback like that. It means a lot to me because, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of important that we do that, right? Absolutely. I mean, but it's, it's, um, it's one thing to say that that's something good to do and it's one thing to actually do it. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm like with my own, students or clients where I'm like, okay, do as I say, not as I do. Do not, do not look and have what a mess my content calendar is. Like you, you need to do it better, but, but you really do. And like, there's, you have, um, you have an ease about you and you're, you're really chill and your mantra is let it be easy. Yes. And, and, and it's, well, we're going to get to that, but I think in this book, you really, you took let it be easy and you just put miracle grow on it. And so it sprouted all these amazing, inspirational ideas and it's called stop checking your likes, but it's not about social media, is it? No, no. I mean, some people think it's a social media book and look, that's cool. Frankly, it's getting me a lot of great media interviews because social media is always so topical. But I mean, social media, I think is just, the reason I called it this is because social media has just become this very modern measurement of, you know, us giving our power away, you know, like other people liking us, that being the thing mm -hmm. and getting the validation from outside of us. But there's really nothing new here. Social media isn't the enemy. We've been worrying about what other people think, you know, since day one. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just think that social media just kind of makes it easier 24 seven to always have access to how well everyone thinks we're doing. And then, you know, access to the insights of what other people are doing and the, and the good stuff that they share. And so your your big message is, I mean, in a nutshell, I think what the big message is, my takeaway from the book is that our mind is super powerful. Mm -hmm. And as you say in the book, our minds can be our enemy or our minds can be our best friend. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how we talk to ourselves and how we choose to look at things. And that reality is really only what we tell ourselves, sort of what reality is. And and what I love is that you give really actionable practices at the end of every chapter mm -hmm. for looking at things in a new light. Get this book for that person in your life that, that I don't know, I, I, I really think the young woman in your life, the graduate, this is the perfect graduation gift. So you talk a lot about, so I want to talk about some of these actionable practices. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you do to sort of control 
I don't know, the environment in your life or the, or yeah, control your environment is that you don't, your assistant mm-hmm. screens your positive, like your, <laughs> your, the emails that come in where people are gushing over you. Yes. But, and also the negative emails. Why do you do that? Why? <laughs> well, well, it wouldn't be quite fair to only see the good, right? When you think, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, I have a right to say and do what I want, as long as I'm not intentionally hurting anybody else. I have, you know, complete freedom of expression. We all do, and that doesn't just get to stop with me, right? I mean, if I want to share a piece about, you know, my life or share some advice or some tips, you know, whatever coming from my heart. I'm allowed to do that. And then people are allowed to like it or dislike it, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, whatever it may be, depending on the platform that you're on. And I just think it would be a really kind of warped world to be in if I only wanted to hear the positive, the good. I feel like it would skew me in the same way it would even skew me if I had a lot of, you know, criticism. Often when I've received criticism in the moment, I thought, oh my gosh, I think I've done the wrong thing. You know, maybe I've shared too much or maybe, you know, I didn't present it in the right way for for people to understand it because they're misunderstanding what it is I'm saying. And I feel as if now the way that I look at it is I have a right to speak and then when you know, once I've put out my work, then it, then my work is finished, and then everyone else can respond how they wish, and then it's up to me if I want to listen to it all or almost listen to none of it, versus just kind of being selective. It just doesn't feel quite honest. So then, how do you get feedback, or does it? It just doesn't matter. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes I, I mean, you can't help, and this is the thing, right? You can't help but see feedback and hear feedback all the time because there are always mm-hmm. people in your life, and there are so many channels. I think that you know, it's great to get information, to get you know uh, insights from what people would like more of, or what is particularly you know like trending, or if there, there's a piece that you put out, maybe it has the most views, the most engagement, it shared the most. That's great data. You know, it's like oh, awesome, people are really interested in this topic. Um, but really, I mean, that's enough, right? We don't need to know everybody's deepest opinions of our work, and not every opinion is frankly equal. You know, the way that I consider the feedback that I get and the opinions that people share with me, I don't rate them all the same. So I focus on what it is that that I think is important Um, and frankly tune a lot out because I want to create from the space within me. I think that's kind of something that we abdicate very easily. We're like, great, what does everybody else want? Like what's popular? Like how can we, you know, um, jump onto something versus thinking, you know, what, what, you know, really speaks to me right now? What is the, like, what's, what's the thing that I know that I need other people to know? So I think it's really good to be self-directed creatively when you can be. So we'll back to the feedback and maybe the negative feedback. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about rejection in the mm-hmm. book. There's a whole chapter oh, about yes, that. Let's yes. talk about rejection. Yes, rejection. I love talking about rejection because everybody's so scared of it, Jen. <laughs> it's like, I don't like it personally. <laughs> I am anti-rejection. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out here right now. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anybody who would agree with me when they, you know, when I say, I, you know, rejection's absolutely okay. I mean, it doesn't feel good. It's not like, you know, we're walking around looking for opportunities to be rejected. I mean, we're not you know, gluttons to just, you know, be punishing ourselves all of the time. But when you think about it, like, what is rejection really? I mean, I really, I do like to break it down in my book and I speak a lot about my own rejections. Even my, my background before I started working for myself, I was a sales director in a tech company and it was selling. Like, selling is the ultimate job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you want to be rejected, like, s- selling, cold selling specifically is the job that you would go into. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding that rejection is just such an illusion. We create such a story around it. We make it personal. Our egos will have us believe that it's, you know, really about us and that this is like a deep emotional, like uh, a diss that we're getting (laughs) when often someone's just too busy. It's not the right time. Maybe it's not the right fit at the moment. So what? So what? And, you know, I think you could even look at it as an opportunity, I suppose. I remember when I was in sales, like in the very beginning of my, my career, I had to cold call people mm-hmm. one after the other. And I just had like a list, like it was like the chamber of commerce list yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, I read some sales gurus somewhere say that it takes roughly 10 no's to get a yes. Mm-hmm. So every no that you get, be so thankful. Say, thank you. Thank you for telling me no, because now I'm so much closer yeah. to the yes. And I've, I've held on to that my whole life. And even now when I need, you know, when I'm trying to fill up a coaching program or whatever, I remember this and I, and that's, that's sort of the way that I need to look at it mm-hmm. before I pick up the, 
the phone, not really the phone, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. Any success is any success story, any successful event is like littered with a whole lot of rejection before it can come to fruition. Like the, the final result that we want. And I pitch myself a lot in the media. I'm successful doing that because the rejections don't, I'm not afraid of them whatsoever. I reject rejection. I like to joke about that. Um, and I just, I don't have this expectation that it's not going to happen to me. Right. The problems that we have are just so related to our expectation of how it's just meant to work out the exact way on that we want on our exact timing. And you know, like selling, being, you know, being out there, succeeding at anything is such a contact sport. It's such a game. It's such a volume. I mean, when you think about anybody who's achieved anything great, if you really speak to them or know them well, you know that their story is kind of littered with rejections, failures, mistakes. And I feel like anytime that I'm kind of rejected, I remember that, look at me, I'm doing something. Aren't I courageous? You know? And I remember that it's it's not personal. It, it would be absolutely, I'd be in my ego to think that it was about me and that, you know, this was like a terrible thing all about me. Uh, and I just give it a lot of perspective and just think, yeah, next. And I think with experience too, by understanding that rejection just isn't even real in a lot of cases, that then your bounce back rate from a disappointment or a rejection just gets, you know, quicker and quicker. What, what do you mean it's not real? Well, think about it, right? Like, okay, if somebody pitched you for your podcast, you know, Jen, and you say you were already booked for a while and you said, you know what? Um, I can't at the moment, but thanks. Are you looking at that person saying, oh my gosh, they're obnoxious. I would never have them on my show. What can I do to upset them? Like what, like this person is absolutely unthinkable to have anywhere near me or my business. Like, do you have like a whole story around it? <laughs> like, I do not. I do not. I don't think about it for two seconds, actually. Right. Yeah. But so then have you rejected them or have you just kind of shared it's not the right timing? Yeah, the latter. Right. So, but, but, you know, kind of all those things that that kind of story, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm obnoxious. She thinks I'm terrible. She doesn't want me near her. Mm. We can do that. Oh, we do that so well, Jen. Like we can totally like step into this narrative around this person and that person. And we keep it in our memory bank. We love to store it, don't we? The people who've rejected us. Oh, yes. And they don't even remember you. Like you're a name in the inbox. I mean, have some perspective and frankly, like calm down that ego of yours. Often we think it's like, oh, you know, I'm rejected. Poor me. That's really us at all worst, making everything about us because the world has to revolve around us, right? And everyone's mm -hmm. just trying to hurt us. No, no one's obsessed with you. Everyone's just doing them. They're just trying to make it through the week, you know, like not gain weight, pay the visa bill, not fight with their husband. You know, like we're all just doing our best and we're not purposefully rejecting people. It's not like this game. Who can I reject? I mean, it's just, it's just not how it is, but the way that we interpret it and the story we attach becomes a rejection, which then kind of becomes this spiral, which, you know, we then attach to our worthiness and it really just holds us back. So true. It's so true. I mean, we just have to remember that like people are so caught up in themselves. Mm -hmm. They're really, they're not paying attention to us. It's so, um, I mean, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I think that, you know, salespeople, specifically good salespeople really get this. And it's almost like they, they have a bit of a bulletproof like bubble around them. They're just kind of, yep, cool, yep, got it. No worries. Yep. Oh, next. And the thing is, Jen, there is never a limit or a, uh, a time you, you tap out your opportunities either. It's not like this one person has to say yes to me or that one person. It's endless. Like it's limitless what's there for us. And I think that that's also really healthy to remember too. Yeah, because I think it's easy to say, well, I tried and I got shot down. So, well, great. Well, there are, you know. Do you know how many other TV stations there are? How many other media outlets? How many men or women there are to date? Hello. <laughs> like, there, there is a lot out there for you. No one person or thing or decision is a sort like the source of your good. There, there is so much out there. It's a very abundant world. And I also want to talk about what you said, which I thought you talked about so brilliantly about when you maybe will have a client in your coaching practice mm -hmm. uh, or you talk to someone and they're like, well, I'm, I'm blocked. Or maybe there was a time when you <laughs> felt like you were blocked. What, yes. Let's talk about this being blocked business. Oh, I love this. I'm happy you brought this up, Jen. Well, being blocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. If you look at any traditional psychology model, there's the cause and effect, right? So I can't make a decision or someone doesn't support my decision. For example, let's just say someone says, you know, I, I'm, I'm blocked. I'm stuck. I really want to start a business, but my husband won't let me. He's not supportive, right? So the cause is the husband. The effect is the no business, right? Nothing's happening. Mm 
-hmm. What I like to do is I like to flip it. And I say, hmm, maybe starting a business requires some courage and some work that involves you to kind of step up. And that's kind of a bit daunting. So you're going to blame your husband, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. our excuse is, like if we can flip the cause and effect, even momentarily, we'll realize that whatever cause we have, indecision, someone not supporting us, there being a limit that we believe about ourselves, the secret benefit of being stuck is that we don't have to do anything. Right. It kind of, and mm-hmm. it, it's very justifiable to the world. It's like, no, look, I can't start a side hustle because I've got kids. You know, my husband doesn't support me or I can't possibly, you know, trust, you know, a man or a woman because my parents had a really, you know, ugly divorce, whatever it is. But if that were true, if the cause and effect were true, if the staying stuck were real, then because, you know, being stuck, just say that actually was legitimate, you were stuck then that would mean that anybody else who, whose husband didn't support them, who had kids, whose parents had a difficult divorce, didn't do the thing either, every single person in history. And there are plenty of people who started businesses without support, plenty of people who've done it without money, plenty of people whose parents had rough divorces and they have happy marriages. Whatever it is that we think is like the thing that's keeping us stuck, however good the excuse sounds and justifiable to other people, it's just our excuse for not taking some courage and doing the thing that we want. So do you think that right now, this moment that we're in, are you seeing a lot? I'm seeing a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I was going to launch my course, but COVID, I was going to open up, you know, a group coaching program, but you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, I received an email from someone that said, are you going to make your membership program free now? Mm-hmm because of COVID. I've decided that, you know, I'm going to spend this time working on myself and I'm going to make my membership site free. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's just very interesting to me. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it's completely it, you know, a unique personal decision. If you think that now isn't the right time, that's cool. So long as you're not in a victimized place about it, right? Not like, well, I was going to do this whole thing, but I'm being held back. That's a very different energy to, you know what? I'm going to put this in the calendar for, you know, say June 15. That's that feels really good. Next Right. Versus like having this, you know, again, like a story and, uh, you know, justifying it and then reveling in the fact secretly that we're not, you don't have to do any work right now. Right. You know, which one you're in, like, we know which bucket we fall in, either the one that's like the victimization bucket or the one that's like, okay, great. I've made a better strategic decision. And then the intro will be doing something else, you know? And you know, it, it's in, and, and I don't even know if it's a victimization bucket. Like, like for me, I would imagine that it's the relief that comes when you have a tough, meeting, even if, even if it's a great opportunity and you're getting ready to pitch, go in front of somebody mm-hmm. who's a really big deal, or you're about to give a keynote, but you're really terrified, right? And yeah. then it gets rescheduled and you're secretly <laughs> relieved yeah. because you're like, oh, I'm off the hook. I know that feeling all too well. And I think that's might be the place where a lot of us uh, are coming from mm-hmm. as it relates to this crisis that we're in, because it's sort of like we're giving ourselves permission and we're a little bit off the hook mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, yeah. what can you do? Like you're stuck in your house. Yeah. But also like, you know, what's wrong with that? Enjoy some relief for the meanwhile. True. Enjoy a break. I mean, the thing is probably whatever it is it was scaring you is going to happen just a little bit later down the line, right? So enjoy the period of not doing it for a while. Like why not make the most of you know, whatever situation you're given, like, you know, making the most of it for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just only tricky when we, when, you know, we, we say we were going to do something and then it's not possible because of, you know, an external circumstance and then kind of secretly knowing that there is something that we could be doing or maybe using this as like, oh gosh, I didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, so this is, right, right. You know, oh, well, no one can blame me now. So, and look, it, it is such a, a personal decision. And when it comes to the, the piece around kind of, you know, discounting your prices or giving things away for free, I've been seeing this too. Don't think it's sustainable. And I mean, who knows how long this is all going to be drawn out. And nothing good happens, Jen, in any economy when money stops circulating. You know, this is so true. Nothing, yeah. nothing good happens. And oh, um, by the way, I've had lots of criticism too, because I've, of course, been promoting my book. I have my evergreen funnels running. And I have people tell me um, stuff like, I should just be saving the world. I shouldn't be talking about a book. I should be making face masks. 
I mean, that's, that's not my, that's not my skill. Like, I, you don't want my face mask, my homemade face mask, Jen, let me, let me tell you. But look, we're going to get opinions, but frankly, there's nothing new here because we get opinions all the time anyway. You know? Uh, I'm so glad you said this because I want to talk about, uh, I think one of the most powerful parts of the book is the way that you speak to the haters, I'm not even the haters, mm. just being defensive. Like, mm. yeah, let's talk about being defensive. So when you do get that, the people telling you you should be making face masks or you shouldn't be charging or God, you should not be promoting your book, you know, mm-hmm. what, what do you, are, do you get defensive? Do you, do you yeah. email them back and give them bullet points as to why this is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, maybe some people do that because they can be effed, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have my, um, uh, like forgive and delete or don't delete. Sometimes I like to leave my hate comments up just because other people can see them. And then if they get hate comments, they won't feel so bad. Uh, so I don't care about that. And I definitely do not defend myself. I mean, there's a great line in A Course in Miracles, this, you know, spiritual text that says, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And when I was, if I started saying, it's taken me three years to create this book, you know, and I, this is a launch window and I'm not doing anything wrong and it's only, you know, $15. Like, I mean, that would be my ego, right? And that would be like me fighting with somebody who I don't know, who clearly doesn't care about me or know me. And that would then make me the person who's not cool. Like that would kind of, yeah. And you talk about how it's, it's that it's, a hundred percent of the time that is about them, not about you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. When I realized this, Jen, everything changed for me in my life. Everything changed for me in my life. When I realized that every single, every single thing without an exception is a projection, good and bad. Again, you can't just like take, apply it to the bad. You have to you know, also apply it to the good. And it's so interesting because in, in the book, I actually mentioned a couple of specific examples just where you can kind of see this in action. And one example was when, you know, I was writing a column when I turned 30 about, you know, life lessons I'd, you know, I'd learned by the age of 30, 30 lessons. And I asked friends in my 30s, you know, um, what lessons have you learned? I wanted to make it really good. And I had, you know, these following pieces of advice. One girl said, definitely no carbohydrates after 2 p.m. Right. Another, no, yeah, good luck. (laughs) Another girl said, uh, get health insurance. Definitely get health insurance while you're young. Um, somebody else said, you don't have to have children. Like it's really important to know because around that age, you know, sometimes there can be pressure. And then somebody else gave me some skincare advice. Another girl gave me skincare advice. And the first girl who said about the carbohydrates was a former fitness model. The, Mm -hmm. The person who spoke about the, the getting health insurance young. She's a very savvy financial investor. She's all about like maximizing money. The third is this like this badass woman who really teaches women to be unapologetic about their choices. And the fourth comes to my friend who's a beauty blogger. So do you see like one so question? So interesting. Yeah, yep. four perspectives, but all coming from a very unique bias. And look, we all have our biases and we're confirming our biases all the time. And that's cool, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just good to like give it a dose of perspective when you're listening to somebody's opinion, because you have to think what's happened to this person? Who is this person? And then kind of see it through that lens too. Yeah, I love that. I think. And I, could I you say that helpful. quote? Can you repeat the quote from A Course in Miracles again? I, I really like that. Oh, yes. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. And you know, I love that. And there's, there's another quote and it's been, it makes me so mad that I didn't write it down back when I heard it. Cause I only, I can't really say it correctly, but it's okay. something like the first words, like the first words you utter in defense is the first step in offense, something like mm. that's the minute that you begin to defend yourself. That is when the conflict begins. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. right. And if you just let it drop, then. Yes. And there's nothing more disarming than just being completely defenseless, you know? And sometimes even if somebody's criticizing you or doesn't agree with you, you can still find some commonality with that person, you know? And you can still say, you know what, you're right about that. Like whatever it may be to an extent. And I mean, I don't, we don't want to live our lives in conflict, right? First of all, we can't avoid it in some cases. So defending yourself also just feels a bit like, oh, exhausting and boring and then it starts to feel a bit cheap, right? With all the back and forth and the, like, well, I'm accurate because it's like, oh, come on, don't we all have creative things to get to? <laughs> and, you know, even the person who's attacking, you can almost even in that moment have some compassion too, because people don't attack or criticize if they're feeling good. Yeah. I think this is a next level thing that, you know, I don't think I've had, I completely have this mastered. I mean, I, 
you know, but I'm definitely more thoughtful about it now. I think it's definitely something to strive for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that you have definitely mastered this, you know, that inclination that if you're, you know, I think about if I'm in an argument with my husband, Mm -hmm. I want to be right, you know, and and it's like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be important to be right all the time, (laughs) you know, and so I'm I'm getting better. Yeah, I think we're all getting better all the time, right? There's always a kind of next level to aspire to, but if you think about it, you know, being, having, not, not defending yourself, not needing to be right, it's easier on you. It's easier on your emotional energy, right? Because when you're in this kind of defensive mode, like think about just like your blood pressure, your nervous system, right? I don't right. want to put myself through too much stress. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, interestingly, actually, somebody uh, recently kind of did something that my husband thought that was, you know, wasn't cool. And he's like, do you think we should bring it up? And I said, you know what? Um, I'm like, okay, I, we talked it out. And I was like, well, you know, what is it you think? Why is this upsetting you? And he was like, well, I just don't think it's fair. And you know, we, we, we talked it out. And I said, you know what, I, I wouldn't bring it up because I know that it's, that it's actually going to cause more emotional stress for you if you do than if you don't. And if you think that somebody's not like a cool friend or what they're doing isn't cool, then maybe you can just kind of reassess that silently on your own without mm. kind of engaging in something. And mm-hmm. I think if you can ever remove an opportunity for stress, then why not do that? And that, I guess that's when it's really good to write like that that letter and, mm. and, then, and then you throw the letter away, you know, but you, you get <laughs> yeah. it all out. Yeah. But so, so, so to to this point of having an argument because or having to be right in my mm-hmm. case, why do you say that saying it's my fault is a good thing? Oh, it's the best thing, which sounds completely counterintuitive, right? <laughs> well, if you think about it, if anything is ever anybody else's fault, which then causes causes a negative result in your life or just a result that you don't want, then mm-hmm. then what? Like, then what can happen next, right? I mean, if anyone external is to blame for the things that happen to us, then we can live in this kind of state of fear, like, oh, I hope it doesn't happen again, right? Mm. I hope nobody wrongs me. I hope nobody hurts me. Versus saying, oh my gosh, why well, I let this person into my life and maybe they took advantage of me. That's my fault. I'm going to be more careful with my boundaries. I'm not going to allow people who do that to me in my life anymore. Just realizing we have so much power, Jen, right? Like I speak about being divorced, being married to an addict and how it would be so easy to have so much blame, you know, and to be like, well, he did this and he spent all the money and, and you know, I married him. <laughs> I married him. I stayed after I knew he was an addict and I know addiction too because I lost my father to it. But, I, you know, I thought maybe this time it could be different. It can change. It's very, very common. But then I had to say, you know what? He's not hurting me. I'm, I'm hurting myself all the time. This, you know, marriages can end. This is up to me. Like I'm a, I'm a grown ass woman. And so if I just shifted all the blame to him, and this can happen in any life situation, you know, big and small, then what? Then I'd be living in this state of, you know, mm, everything's happening to me. Everything's happening to me. I'm not in control. Yeah, and powerless. We, yes. And when we take off, when we're like, yep, yeah, my fault, got it. Then what? You won't do it again. Or if you want to, you'll take, you know, you'll take responsibility for that for whatever reason that you have. But it's, yeah, it's like when we kind of give away, like give away our power, give away our decision making, you know, uh, the, the ability to do that, then what? Like what type of life is that? But what about that? So how do you, um, how do you apply that to the stuff in your life that really isn't your fault? Like you, mm. you know, you, you grew up in homeless shelters. Your dad was an alcoholic. You, yeah. you know, you, you had a rough road, which of course you talk about in the book. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing the way that you, I don't know, the way that you view all that. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that wasn't your fault. So in those cases, what, what do you say to the person who's like, well, I had an alcoholic dad or well, my, you know, this or the other? Yeah. I mean, it's a very good question. And there are things that we can't control, right? There are times in life when we are victimized, when we don't, like we are actually powerless, right? In whatever moment it may be, that's true. The way that I, the way that I interpret it, which brings me freedom and forgiveness and relief and think of just the wonderful feelings associated with those three things is that, yes. So, you know, alcoholic father, you know, unstable kind of mother moving around a lot, it's true. I had no choice. I just had to like roll with it and just try and stay safe and just, you know, do, do what I could for my family. I wanted to bring joy to them when I could, but like, but what now, what now then? Like as a adult woman who doesn't live with my family, who has control over my life, like even how I interpret and remember my father and how I 
communicate with my mother, who you know, has her very own unique way of living, is up to me. You know, and my dad was bizarre. Like, I, you've, you've read the stories. <laughs> you know, I speak about him, you know, smoking pot with him when I was a teenager, him having hookers at home. I mean, he always, he was kind of, I mean, very unpredictable, very, a real character. Um, I have such good memories of him, Jen. Like, I tell stories about him. He was, he, he was really well educated. He, he gave me a lot of, you know, wisdom. And that's what I'm, that's what I hold on to. And that's my choice, right? And that's completely my power. And so I'm, there's nothing, there's no victimization within me because of that. I feel like I was given, you know, a father who was complicated, but I had, there, there were a lot of lessons, a lot of gifts that I learned early and it, it's made me wise and strong. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Because you talk about, you, you sort of, you know, are very matter of fact, you know, in the way that you, that you yes. share some of these things, but it's very clear that you got so many gifts from both your parents and that there's, you know, definitely deep deep love and respect in spite of, you know, their own struggles and that they were dealing with. And when you were on the podcast the first time, and I don't know where I heard this story. I don't know if I read it in an article or if I heard you on a podcast Mm -hmm. where you told the story, and it's not in this book, but you told the story Mm -hmm. of little Susie who uh, got free lunch and the school had this ridiculous like giant token that (laughs) made it like so obvious to all your little pals that you were free lunch. And you set up a meeting with the headmaster and said, look, dude, I have a solution for you. And (laughs) after you gave him this, you presented him with this solution, they they put it into practice. And so this started in you. Uh, the spire in you at an early age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and think about it. Like when you ask, and I have a whole chapter in the book about asking, yes. I mean, what, what can be available to you? It's pretty amazing. I mean, and why not ask? Like think about it. Why, aren't, why shouldn't we be entitled to good things for life to be easier as a child for something to be less embarrassing? You know, why can't we ask? I mean, asking, I think, is such a strength. It's perceived, you know, as a weakness so much of the time. And it takes courage, right? It takes something where they need to believe that you're deserving to ask of something, you know, to ask something. This is why it's so hard for perfectionists to ask because, you know, perfectionism has nothing to do with high standards. It's all about failure anxiety. So it's like, what is it that we can be asking for? Be, I mean, I, I sometimes, Jen, like I do things to make myself uncomfortable just so I'm still in this kind of asking place. And what I've realized, and this is kind of the, the best, like the most simplified way that I can say it, is that what I've realized about confidence is that it's far more simple than we think. We think that, you know, a confident person has to be somebody who is, you know, like really charismatic or an amazing speaker or who can, you know, like really dominate a group and just be so funny or like, you know, whatever it may be. But confidence is quieter than that, quieter than that. And it's actually kind of even more elegant than that in a way. And it's just the ability and therefore the willingness, right? So the willingness uh, and the ability to experience negative emotion. That's it. That's all it is. That's amazing. Is one of the one of the things that you do to get uh, uncomfortable? Was that the Chanel story? <laughs> yeah. Please that's tell one, us. That's one of my stories. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I do weird things all the time. I mean, so when I when I was a teenager, I worked at a department store, right? Where they uh, and I was selling fine fragrance. One of those kind of ladies, like, would you like a sample? Like, would you like a spritz? <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But you know, Chanel, the the, the house, the Chanel fragrance brand, they never give anything away and they're never on promotion, unlike the other brands. You know, once every, every, always, if you go to any department store, there'll always be one fragrance house on promotion, like Estee Lauder or Clarins, like whoever it is. Um, but Chanel were never on promotion and they never give anything away. And so now if I go to a department store, I still ask the Chanel lady or guy uh, if I can have a sample of something or if they can give me a discount if I'm purchasing. And I know that they'll, they'll shut me down. I know that it will be a rejection. Like they'll say no for this perceived rejection. And I do it just so first of all, I mean, why not? I, I have fun with this. Uh, my husband's always like rolling his eyes at me, but he's used to me now. And I just think, why not? Like, why not make myself feel uncomfortable? I feel like it keeps me strong. Like it keeps me in a place of, yep, see that happened. Nothing, no big deal, no big deal. And I think that being able to experience negative emotion, right, uncomfortable emotion, rejection, humiliation, like whatever it is, that's the only mark of a confident person. Because what would you, well, Jen, what wouldn't you do if you, like, if you knew that a negative emotion was just a temporary feeling in your body and it would pass? 
and you can live with it. And the worst thing that can happen to you is just a feeling like with that perspective. I mean, this is, this is the truth, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen? No one's going to like come to you and like slice your face with a knife. I mean, like what is the thing that we're fearing? I mean, as human beings, we will do anything to avoid pain. You know, like we, we don't ask for things. We don't go for it. We don't put ourselves out there. We think smaller, we think safer, whatever that even means. And because the idea of experiencing a negative emotion for a while is so terrifying. But if you're like, hmm, it's a feeling, it'll pass, the same way positive feelings do, um, then what? Then what wouldn't you do? Which, you know, brings us to the way that you always make sure, like, the fact that you're going to die is like front and center. And it's, you know, and I feel the same way. I have to say like that, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's my whole, that's the whole thinking behind the front row that like life Mm -hmm. is short. You got to do it now. You got to seize the moment. You have to, you know, what's the worst that can happen. And I want to read like these two paragraphs from, from the book, if you don't mind. Oh, please. Yes. And it's, it's about lightening up and it's in the chapter Something about comedy colored glasses. See the world through comedy colored glasses. (laughs) I love this. Okay. So can we throw on some comedy colored shades and lighten up a little and just not take everything so seriously? Life isn't meant to be one great big white knuckle ride. It can be a hilarious adventure. It's not something to be endured until you make it to the bitter end, hopefully as unscathed as possible. I love what Joan Rivers said. Life goes by so fast. Enjoy it. Calm down. It's all funny. Next. Everyone gets so upset about the wrong things. End quote. Guess what? Death has a 100% success rate. It's coming for all of us. The next time you need a reality check, go to the graveyard. I'm being serious. I love cemeteries. They remind me that everything is temporary. Right now, a picture of a beautiful church cemetery in England is the screensaver on my phone. So the next time I want to freak out because I have to wait a full seven minutes for a subway train, those weather-beaten 18th century headstones can bring me back to earth. Mm. Amen, sister. Oh, amen, Jen. Thank you for reading that. Yes, I love cemeteries. <laughs> oh, I just love, even when we drive by, I'm like, Keith, look, graveyard. <laughs> I love that they bring me so much calm and perspective. And I think it's good to reflect on the temporary nature of your life. I mean, it's true. I, I personally am so freaked out by death. Like I don't want to die. And I get freaked out when I think I'm going to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do think about it a lot in terms of like we're like we're talking about that it's you know we're not it, we don't have an infinite amount of time to make stuff happen and to 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 live the life that we that we're dreaming about like now is the time to create that life and and yeah. you also say fake it until you become it what does that mean yes well think about it right everyone's like this expression fake it till you make it it's used in coaching sometimes I don't really like it because what is faking it it means doing it. right like think about it if you if you think you know i'm gonna fake it as a public speaker until i make it i'm gonna fake it as a you know marathon runner if you public speaker if you run a marathon that's what you are that's what you become so it's right (laughs) right it's not like you know making it is like you've cheated your whole way there it's like no you're doing it you're doing the thing until you become it and that's where we all have to begin and so why do you think you have to be perfect right out of the gate? Like, where did we even get this idea that, you know, imposter syndrome, I mean, yes, it's real for all of us, especially high achieving women. But I mean, it's okay to feel like I'm uncomfortable doing this. I'm not ready yet. That's normal. It's just that the freedom can come when you're like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to feel. You know, I, what I'm experiencing is very, very normal. And you know what? I'm willing to be bad at something. I'm willing to be bad at something new. Like I'm willing to experience some negative emotion here. Then again, think about what it is that you would go for, what it is you wouldn't kind of rule out of your life because you're not capable of you know, doing it really confidently immediately. And then the more things you do, the more you kind of realize, wow, I'm like becoming a lot of things, right? Like, oh gosh, you know, maybe I'm an author, maybe I'm a business owner, maybe I'm now a rock climber, like whatever it may be, the things that you become just through like, through action, it's it's wonderful. And you don't have to, you can, you can just start very small and be okay with that and not expect anything too great, too fast. It's so true. And like nobody's first blog post was any good and nobody's first podcast episodes are good. I cringe at all my early content and um, like last week's content, probably. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, you, we have to start somewhere. And so I I love that. Fake it until you become it. 
Yes. If you think about it, you do become the things. And life is just this big process of becoming anyway, isn't it? So I think that the important thing is to relax a little bit throughout the whole process because I swear, like Jen, I mean, everyone's like, hustle, right? Like, what's the eyes bleed? Like, strive, you know? Like, unless, unless you're, you know, unless you're not sleeping, if you're sleeping more than four hours a day, you're like doing it wrong. And I just don't think that that's true. I think that, you know, the universe supports us. It's a, it can be easier than we think. Like think about the things that arrived in your life or business that came to you, right? We're so easy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy to discount the things that were easy, right? And to think, ah, no, let's focus on all the hard things I have to do. And the fact that this part isn't working or that part of my business isn't working. I mean, when we pay attention, a lot of good things flow to us. And I think when we notice that, it's, it's pretty awesome. What was the text that your coach sent you that you kept on your phone for so long? Oh, um, yeah. About I don't want to it. It was like something like, nothing will exhaust me more than yes. trying to chase around the person I already am, <laughs> trying to become the yes. person I already am. Sort of like maybe the whole Dorothy thing, like you had the power in you all along. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's like if we're kind of hustling and striving and doing all the things all the time just to prove our worthiness, because that's what it is, Jen. Like whatever it is we think that we want or we what we think is missing or whatever the problem is, if we just keep saying, okay, and, and then what, and then what, and then what, and get like deeper and deeper into it, it always, it always comes down to this issue of worthiness. And yeah, the text from my coach, he, he sent it to me because I remember at a time I, I couldn't relax. I was like, oh, there's just so much to do and I'm not getting the results I want yet. And, you know, I wanted, to, I, I was in a phase of like wanting to do a lot of things just to like prove, like prove that mm -hmm. I was doing the things, you know, and look at me, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a hero over here doing all the things. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yeah, the text was something like nothing will exhaust me out more thoroughly or more quickly than trying to become like something that I already am, like meaning worthy. And that's, I think that Jen, like if we could understand that our worthiness is just fixed, it's undeletable. There's nothing that we could do about it. There's nothing that we have to prove no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do, then even just 10%, if we could let that in, our lives shift, things become easier. And just how we feel in our bodies, the lightness, just even feeling healthier, it just starts to shift because we're not, you know, justifying all the time why we're taking up space or is it okay that I'm here? Would your so what principle fit in here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the so what principle. Anytime you're offended or something goes wrong or you're upset with yourself, if you just replace any other question, comment, course of action with this question, so what? <laughs> like, uh, wow, like you'll, it, it, you'll be really uh, incredibly efficient, unoffended, happy person. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was so funny because you had this like really transformational moment, this really incredible moment mm -hmm. where you were offended. Someone said something terrible during your live stream or something and you yeah. went to your coach at the time and you were like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what this person said. And then her response to you was, so what? <laughs> yes. And that was a, uh, I mean, that was a full body moment where I just like <laughs> came back to my senses. Oh, yes. Cause somebody said that I look like a man. I had a comment that I look like a man and it just felt so rude. I mean, I, you know, you know where the ego goes with this stuff. Oh and, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was so, and I was like, how dare he, how dare even YouTube let that come. You know, oh man, I was really into it. And then, yeah, she just took the wind out of my sails <laughs> and that was it. So what? And think about it. Somebody said to me recently that somebody commented, she posted that she had a great month and she posted her figure. And, you know, somebody wrote to her saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you made that much money. And she said she was stewing for five or six days and she wanted to actually send him her financial statement to prove that it was true. And she's like, it would have been really nice just to think so what <laughs> about this, <laughs> this idea that someone thinks that you're lying. And by the way, if somebody thinks you can't have a good month or make, you know, whatever amount of money per month, that person deserves some compassion. Right. It's mm. like we, we do want to defend ourselves and like we know we're in our integrity. If you know, we say what we mean, we speak the truth. But if somebody thinks, gosh, it's not possible to make, I don't know, whatever, 50K a month, then okay, like maybe uh, he doesn't feel worthy of receiving. He, he has some like beliefs and blocks that he'll work through when he's ready if he wants, but he doesn't deserve like a lot of hate. He's just kind of in the process of probably still learning. Occasionally, you know, stuff hurts. Mm -hmm. So we could say, so what? We can feel compassion for the other person. Mm -hmm. 
I don't yeah. know, any other yeah. mantras? Yeah. And look, I do, I mean, the reason I do like to talk about criticism and in my book, you see, I list some of the comments that I've gotten, just like unfiltered, mm-hmm, I put mm-hmm. them in there. Well, if, if anyone has an opinion or has something mean to say to me, and in a lot of cases, these people don't know you well, maybe, you know, some, sometimes they do. The comment, it's just never about you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if someone has anything to say, if someone wants to call me fat, say I look like a man, say that mm-hmm. I you know, should be making masks. I mean, what, what, what are some of the other chestnuts I've been given? I mean, plenty, right, over the years. It's, I, I just feel so deeply disconnected from somebody's projection. Like, it, look, it doesn't feel wonderful. It's not like, oh, great, you know, like, sling some mud my way, you know, why not? And, and, and if, you, if you allow yourself to cling or hold on to it or even think about it without distracting yourself, balancing out your thoughts and remembering that it's not about you, like, it can, it can get uglier. And the more we think about it, the deeper it, it kind of comes, you know, mm-hmm. comes within us. But I just, even my attention to something like that, it's... It, I'm a goldfish with it. It's like, what? I mean, this is all saying that happiness is a short memory, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I think if, if everyone slings anything my way, and look, sometimes even happens with family, you can just, I, I, I just remember it's so, uh, so like, it's nothing to do with me. I'm not in it. Like it's, it's and I, yeah, another house. And I think that it's, I, I would imagine that it's, it's, it's something you have to practice and you get better oh, at, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, th- but think about it. Like, Jen, your life changes once you really understand this principle. Mm-hmm. Like, your mm-hmm. life changes. In fact, I had an argument with my sister recently because she, we had a disagreement. Or, she, uh, we had a disagreement over, over something like silly. And then she sent me a, a, a couple of texts about it saying she was hurt with, with, with my opinion or an opinion that I shared with her. And I actually ignored her. I ignored her message because I was like, she's going to get over this on her own. You know, I, I'm not going to engage in it. I'm not going to use my energy that way. Mm-hmm. And then the next day she called me, she said, sorry. And I explained to her that probably what she was saying about not feeling supported by me is because she's not supporting herself. Mm. Like, I'm like, if you feel like I'm not supporting your decision to go into like a certain career, then, and I, I am, I'm neutral about it. It's, it's not my life. I can say, well, it's up to you if you want to do it. And, and I'm like, if you don't feel supported by me making that move, it's you that needs to support you not me. And you're just going to be pushing that projection on me. Do you see? Mm. And mm. so, and I realized that we all do this, you know, it's like think, what we think that somebody's holding, like withholding from us or what we think that somebody is doing to upset us, like we're doing it to ourselves. Mm. That's so true. No, I love this. This is like free therapy for me. And, <laughs> uh, and there's, and really like I've, there's so many like little nuggets that I am going to borrow now. I'm going to, I'm going to completely adopt. Please do in my own like conversation that I have with myself throughout the day. And another one is because I don't want to let you go until we talk about you asking the question, what's essential? Oh, yes. <laughs> what's essential? I mean, what, what if, right, things could be easier and if we didn't have to do all of the things, right, or do things so perfectly or have everything so planned, but we just thought what could be essential, like what's essential here? Uh, and then allowing whatever process or decision or task to be easy. And can you talk about some of the specific ways that you employ this in your own life? Because I love, like you gave some examples, like if you could turn, if you could go and give a talk and make it a Q&A so you don't have to do a lot of prep and slides, that's what you're going to do. I mean, I love that. Oh yeah, actually I'm doing that. Well, I was meant to do it this, uh, this week in Miami. I'm doing, well, it'll be pushed back at some point, but I was going to do a talk, right? At a bookstore. So do a talk about my book and then do an audience Q and A. And a friend of mine, he's coming from New York to support me. And I, and I asked the bookstore, can we do it? Q and A so can he just interview me? <laughs> Cause I don't want to prepare a talk, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and the value's there. I'm probably better with a Q and A too. Cause I'm more off the cuff than prepared. And will I still deliver? I mean, completely the value for anyone who shows up and buys the book it's the same but so why not why why suffer like there's no trophy for suffering like why would I not just make it easier easier by looking at what like what the essentials are and that's showing up adding value being honest right that's it those are the essentials and they can show up in whatever way is going to be easiest for me showing up adding value and being honest yeah that's enough that's essential I love it um okay I want to tell you what I learned another thing that I learned Mm -hmm. That, that I hadn't learned in the 51 years. And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. I'm going to use this. You said 
that I don't remember what chapter this is. This was just sort of hanging out there on my notes because I wanted to make sure and tell you how much I appreciate it. Instead of saying to somebody, hey, you want to hang out soon or we ought to get together to say something like, hey, do you want to try that new vegan restaurant Tuesday at seven? Yes. Think about how an assertive person gets results, (laughs) right? Like, and by the way, we want people to take control (laughs) in our lives, right? And when someone's like, do you know how many texts I get, Jen? Like, we need to hang out. We need to catch up. I'm like, specify something. Don't make me do the work, you know? And when you think about it, if you give specifics, the vegan restaurant at seven, you already start to picture it and you look at your calendar. Am I free on Tuesday? You, You get things in motion, right? It's these kind of little life hacks, I think, go a long way. You know, we all say that all the time, whether whether we're doing it professionally or with our with our friends or our family. Oh, we should get together. Oh, let's go to dinner sometime. Let's have coffee, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it never happens and until somebody makes the move. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think about like when I read this, I was like, you know, my friends who I value the most, they do this with me. I don't do this with them though. Like I'm, mm. I have been kind of lazy as as it turns out. Yeah. And so it's I'm like, wow, I need to step it up a little bit and like take the initiative and just, yeah, I just was if like- If it means is- something to you, because otherwise, yeah, we should get together, right. we should get coffee. I mean, I, you know, how, how often we just say that because it's polite, right? If it means something right. to you, taking the initiative not only kind of feels good, you kind of get to make some choices too, but other people really appreciate it. Yes. I love it. Okay. We didn't even cover you guys for all of this brilliance that just came out of Susie's mouth. This is just not even the half of it. And the stories that she shares, and it's just really, truly incredible. It's a fantastic book for anybody. Um, I do think it is the best, best, best graduation gift. I think this really will be one of those like just quintessential like graduation gifts. Like it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic because again, if I knew them, what I know now, this is, this is you going back in time and giving this book to someone and saying, here, it's all here. Like if you read this, you're going to be, you're going to be in good shape. So the name of the book again is called Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval and Live an Incredible Life by Susie Moore. You can get it on Amazon right now. There's a wonderful audio version that I listened to. I also read it on Kindle and I've got the hardback. So pretty much, um, I've got it all and can recommend it wholeheartedly. Also, Susie, your website is susiemoore.com. Is that SusieDashmore.com. Yes, yeah, somebody, uh, some photographer somewhere is Susie Moore too. So <laughs> Susie ah. Dashmore. Yes, S-U-S-I-E-M-O-O-R-E.com. Yeah, a photographer in Ohio stole mine, stole mine too. That's funny, what? but I got it. I finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got it. All right, Susie, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. And you come back anytime. Okay, let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen. Mwah. Mwah.